Gilbert, born in Ireland, but you moved over to Swindon when you were seven years of age. Yeah. What was that like living in Swindon? That's where all my musical. I mean, I say every night on stage, I talk about the likes of Thin Lizzy, the likes of Van Morrison, U2, Boom uh, Ross. They all got their musical start in Ireland, musical start in Swindon. So my, my musical background stems from growing up in Swindon, not the first seven years in Ireland. So, I mean, I'm proud of my Irish roots. And, sure. and I have a soft spot for going back to Waterford, stuff where we live. But, and I've often gone back, we still go back frequently. But musically, no, everything stems from growing up in Swindon. So I'm very much an Irish person, but an English songwriter in the tradition of... It's interesting because when I meet people afterwards, the nice thing about Fourth Call people, they're commenting on my voice and the sound of my voice. I mean, they were, they were more into what was happening on stage than other people who just wanted an autograph or, or a sign. And that was kind of interesting. That's the Welsh aspect. You always loved music. I started off wanting to play guitar and uh, Cliff in the Shadows and stuff. And, uh, but I'm left-handed, so I ended up getting a right-handed guitar and I ended up having lessons, but I was being taught Man of Mystery, FBI and Apache and stuff, but I didn't feel comfortable playing the wrong way around. And um, it's funny and interesting because I wrote to Slim Whitman. Everybody remembers Slim Whitman. Yeah. He was huge in England with Rosemary, big hits and stuff. Yeah. I wrote to him because he played guitar. I wrote to him asking if he could let me have one of his guitars. And I remember Paul McCartney was also intrigued by Slim Whitman because there were very few people, if any, at that time who played like a left-handed guitar. So it's kind of. But then I, you know, I gave up the guitar and moved on to drums. So you were in several local bands in the Swindon area, mm. I guess. And mm. um, when did you start getting into songwriting? Well, I started uh, even. Once the Beatles came along, then we all wanted to be in a band and stuff. So my first band was school band. And I was beginning to write, uh, pick up in, you know, little tunes and stuff. And then the second band, youth club band, called Prefix, more serious. But the most serious band was Rick's Blues, where we started doing some of my material. We even recorded in London. Um, yeah. I came to London did two songs, both my songs. And we were a serious band. We could have actually turned, I think Rick, who played keyboards, harmonica, yeah. vocals and myself on vocal and drums the two, the, we would have turned professional but the guitar player and the bass player were on apprenticeships okay they didn't want to risk leaving yeah yeah so that meant rick and i had to decide because we were a really good band rick had a great music on he's a fantastic musician he taught me blues piano okay introduced me to fats domino he was one of those he was he's just a fantastic musician so he needed to be in a band so he went on to a band called the lonely ones which became a band called the joint which ended up being super Trump. yes and I ended up being me, so that's, that's how it happened. In, in a way, yeah. better. It worked out, yeah. Paths go anyway. The demo tape you sent to Gordon Mills and mm. later became your manager. Mm. Impressive state of stars he had, didn't he? He had Tom Jones and. That's why I wrote to him, because he managed solo artists. Yes. I could have written to Robert Stigwood, who managed the Bee Gees, but that was a group thing, so I figured Gordon Mills would be. Because I didn't want to be a Tom Jones type singer the way I looked and stuff. So yeah. I figured that he had the power to be able to promote somebody like myself. Which he did. Which he did, because he's an ex, you know, he's a songwriter. Uh, Gordon wrote uh, songs for Johnny Kidd and the Pirates, I'll Never Get Over You, it was a hit for them. Yeah. He wrote that. Co wrote It's Not Unusual. So he was looking for the songs. So in my demo tape, he liked the songs, but he needed to be sure that I had more other than what was on the tape. At that time, had you wrote Nothing rhymed or no, you hadn't? No, you never heard that to begin with. Right. That didn't come until later. Yeah. Nothing old, nothing new, nothing ventured, nothing gained, nothing still won or lost. Nothing further than proof, nothing wilder than you, nothing older than time, nothing. 
nothing sweeter than white, nothing physically, recklessly, hopelessly blind, nothing I couldn't say, nothing why cost today, nothing rhyme. But some of the songs he heard went on my first album. I'd written good songs before that, but it, it's just one of the best ones I've ever written was called I Wish I Could Cry, which was about the death of Bobby Kennedy. I was going through before I met Gordon. And then of course, and then again naturally, which broke you in America, mm. and I guess it's your pension plan, isn't it? I tend not to view these things in terms of money and stuff. I mean, of course the money's involved, but I, I didn't come into the business to make money. I came into the business to be a success with my song. Yeah. All I wanted to do was to hear the, the postman whistling as he walked down the path, or hear it on the radio. You know, I'm not naive about the money side, but I'm not. If somebody writes to me, which they do occasionally, and talk about money and why they want to be successful, I just write back and say, you know, if you're not in it for the music, work at a bank. I'm happy that my songs have survived and I, the cover versions are out there all the time and stuff, and it's really nice. I'm very happy about that. But it's, yeah, sure. Mm. The lyrics of that song, Alone Again, actually, how, yeah. how did that come about? Was it personal things in your life that happened, or was it just the song? It's, it's just a. I know, it's, it's not based on personal experience. It's, I like to think as a good. What makes you a good lyricist, if there is such a thing as a good lyricist, is getting into the subject matter that even if you don't experience the situation, you have an understanding of it. Yeah. I like going into those kind of areas. I like breakup of relationships. I like to get inside that from the outside. Sure. So kind of, without having to necessarily... I'm, I'm not a heart-on-my-sleeve kind of writer. If my wife pops up in a song, it's subtle. If the children pop up in a song... It's subtle, it wouldn't be obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, but that song in particular was just me going through what I understood somebody might be going through in that situation. To do it in a sincere way. In a little while from now, if I'm not feeling any less sound, I promise myself to treat myself and visit a nearby town. And climbing to the top, will throw myself up. Chart toppers, of course, clear and get down. Uh, your album back to front on that went to number one as well, didn't it? Top of charts on top of the pops was that with the flat cap? Well, for nothing rhymed it was. Nothing rhymed. But not, yeah. by the time of alone again, it was normal. Songwriter of the year for the 18th <clears throat> Ivan Novello Awards. You must have been well proud of that. Yeah, it was nice to get to get that. Yeah. I'd been given one before for no matter how I tried as best romantic song of the year in '71, I think. 
reasoning behind the parting company with your manager at that time enforced litigation stopped you releasing new material didn't it for was it several years yeah it did stop me writing but it did stop me going yeah releases. but these things happen a very sorry sad situation that nobody wanted me in particular didn't want to have to go through but i was kind of forced into a situation where do or die i was determined to, to get what it is that gordon had promised me uh, right at the beginning a small promise of just an interest in my songs, which he said I would have if I was successful. I was successful, and every time I was asking him for it, he said, don't worry, it'll be done. And then when we broke up, when we shook hands, and I said, do I still get the interest in my songs? He said, yes, you'll get it, but they, they didn't give it to me. So that's the reason I went to court. Sure. And I'm very pleased to say that you won that uh, lawsuit against uh, Bismarcky. Yeah, again, you know, it, it, when it was requested, I mean, I look at the requests and I, and I see if they're alone against the one song I won't allow it to be used on any kind of comical or stupid ad or something. Yeah. Because of the people like yourself who bought it. It's in my contract with any publisher to protect that song must never be used for that purpose. And so Bismarck, I said, well, let me hear it. I didn't know he was a comic rapper. But he was huge. Yeah. He was yeah. Kenya West of his day. So I said, let me hear it. And I said, no way. He only wanted to use the intro, the master intro. I said, no, not in a million years. But he went ahead and did it anyway. So that's, I had to go. The only positive thing to come out of that, apart from the fact that we won it, was, of course, it sets a precedent for sampling. But <clears throat> if you had a tune and somebody sampled it, they can't do it without getting a legal. Or Sullivan case stipulates you have to have an, a... You can't just do it ad hoc. There's now a precedent has been set. You must have written permission to sample your track. And you've got some new material out. Mm-hmm. We have, have an album which was released last August. Yes. Yeah. So How's that going? Do we do? Yeah, we had the first top twenty album in forty years. Brilliant. With yeah. that and, and great reviews, is that so, so really well. And we're all over the place. We go to America now for the first time in yeah. Although we went recently for New York and Philadelphia, but we're going back for a bigger tour. Okay. That's the first time in over forty years that I've been back in America. So it's been good. We've toured now consistently since since the release of the album last August. Just myself and my guitar player. Kind of intimate, up close and personal show people get to hear the words clearer no fear of the band driving them out I have a great band but it's kind of nice that the way we worked structured this tour and people are really enjoying it so are you only going to do that in America or, or no you? no that's what we're doing here so you do a few festivals as well don't you we did with the band we did the Wigan Festival just uh, with the band if we do festivals it would be with the band yeah sure uh, and next year we'll be if we go back to Japan uh, as we've done before it would be with the band so so it'll be a com- America will just be the two of us. Well, they're in for a treat then, aren't they? Well, I hope so. Yeah. Last question. Who would you most have liked to have covered one of your songs? Um, well, bearing in mind, I've had some really good covers. Yes, I know you have. Yeah. The Neil Diamond, the Andy Williams, and the Sarah Vaughan, Esther Williams, Nina Simone. I mean, these are all people that I really admire. Um, Pet Shop Boys and Elton John did a cover. Um, who would I have liked? Good question. Uh, Beatles? To, to cover one of my songs. Maybe, uh, maybe McCartney sing one of my songs. Yeah. That might be interesting. <laughs> that could be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I think I've got you stumped on that question. <laughs> cool. No.
again.